Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 on your AM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area. Please be sure to download our Veritas Catholic Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content. And please be sure to follow Joe and I on social media, anywhere you find us, Facebook, YouTube, Rumble. Please help us out. Like, subscribe, share. Do all that fun stuff. And today, we are very pleased and honored to be joined by Dr. Paul Chalou to discuss his new book published by Sophia Institute Press, Why All People Suffer, How a Loving God Uses Suffering to Perfect Us. Um, and for those of you who don't know uh, Dr. Chalou, I want to give a brief introduction, very important. Uh, Paul Chalou is a graduate of the University of Virginia with a degree in chemical engineering. He worked for over 30 years as an engineer, manager, and strategist for IBM in upstate New York. While there, he also served as a catechist for 15 years at St. Columbia Parish in Hopewell Junction. In 2015, after earning a master's degree in religious education from Fordham University and retiring from IBM, Paul was accepted into the PhD program at the Catholic University of America to study catechetics with the goal of teaching future, excuse me, future catechists. However, his plans changed dramatically when he was diagnosed with early onset Parkinson's disease just after moving to Washington, D.C. for his studies. His neurologist, after learning that Paul was studying theology, asked him why people suffer. He had no answer since it was not his intended field of study, but the question intrigued him enough to cause him to take up the subject. Five years later, having earned his PhD in moral theology, Dr. Shalou wrote Why All People Suffer for general audiences, a follow-on to his dissertation, The Grace Concealed in Suffering, Developing Virtue and Beatitude, which he defended at Catholic University in 2020. Dr. Shalou currently teaches theology as an adjunct professor at the Catholic University and serves as a catechist at St. Agnes Parish in Arlington, Virginia. He's been married for over 30 years to his wife, Sue, and they have four adult children and two granddaughters. Dr. Paul Shalou, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Thanks for having me. Uh, doctor, we always begin with a prayer because all good things start with a prayer, and this is a good thing. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O oh, most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come before you. we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother, the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer us. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. 
Paul, um, Joe gave a really nice bio, um, gives us all a flavor of, of your life, but I'm very interested in how you got to this point in your journey. Um, you know, as far as, you know, it's, it's a change. You, you, you worked in corporate America. Now you're in academia. Give us a little uh, background on that, because we spoke extensively when we put the uh, outline together. And I think a lot of those uh, points that you shared with me are very important for our listeners to understand. Yeah, well, the journey was a surprise to me. As much as it is to anybody else who reads this, it was a surprise to me. It came in a dream. It, the first first inkling of it came in a dream in 2013, right after my daughter, Kathy, graduated from Cornell. And uh, I was at the graduation, and one of her professors had left the industry, like you guys and me, and and uh, took up teaching. And he said, he said it was very rewarding, and, and that inspired me in a dream to to go teach the teachers. That was my, the mantra that I heard, teach the teachers. So I, so I started pursuing it and found out I could get, get uh, a doctorate in three places, Fordham, BC, and Catholic. So I started looking into that and I, and I pursued it. And uh, as you said, the bio, after, after I got the master's in, in religious education from, from Fordham, which I did have time at IBM, I, I retired from IBM, pulled all the plugs, bought a house, did everything I was supposed to do. Right then, I got diagnosed with Parkinson's. And, and the doctor at the, at the, in, in New York, when I was when I was uh, diagnosed with that, told me, "Don't worry, it's not a death sentence. You got at least five years to, of productivity to go to go, you know, to go." I said, "Gee, that's good. I got five years of studies in front of me." But you know, I was pretty committed, so I, I pursued it. First week I'm down there, I, I get to the neurologist, and she says to me. What are you doing? What do you do here? And I, I said, I, I'm studying, I'm starting to study theology at uh, Catholic University. She said, well, why do people suffer? And I'm foremost, you know, I, it, it's not what you expect from a doctor to tell you this. And I said, well, I, that's not my field of study. She said, it should be because everybody who comes to me asks why this is happening to them. I don't have any answers. And nobody's ever been able to give me an answer. So I'm looking for you to get it. Go, go study it. And she was persistent. And, and, and I, I found it very strange, but it, it it stuck with me, and I started pursuing it, and everything just fell in place. And and all, all along the way of this journey, everything has fallen into place. For instance, when I left IBM, I, I I got this this message just in time for my retirement. I became eligible for retirement that that week that I left, and my wife got a job that was portable, so so she so she was able to sustain us while, while I was doing this. And my, my kids were all just, just out of college and on their own. And everything just lined up perfectly for this. And all along the way, everything, every step along the way was was uh, just perfect in order to make this happen. And I had a background with, of, of medical problems. I was born with a congenital heart defect, I was born blue. I had open heart surgery when I was five. My heart stopped on the heart on the operating table twice. I, it didn't solve my problem. I, I was I had basically a two-chambered heart for a while, and when I was 17, they they said you need to do it again. So I went back to Boston Children's Hospital, got my, got surgery again, and when I when I got it, when I got when I came to, my left arm was paralyzed. So that happened as a consequence of the operation. So I, I was it was paralyzed for six weeks, and then it just came back one week before I started my senior year in high school. And then as a consequence of all this, I got hepatitis C into one of the transfusion problems. 
And then I, I didn't find out for about 25 years. And when I, then when I found out, I was on a family vacation, was gone for two weeks, got back and there was 16 messages on my, on my answer machine, 16. One for, one for every day I was gone for my, for my doctor saying, you need to call me, you need to call me, you need to call me. So when I got home that night, two weeks later, I got this, all these messages. You know, you know that was pretty unsettling to, to have these messages. Told me I had hepatitis C that it was potentially fatal, but they had a, had a, a uh, regimen of, of interferon ribavirin, which would, would potentially solve it. So, so I took that and it did solve it and, and resolve the hepatitis C, but, but in the interim, it made me very ill. It was a very, very harsh treatment. And at the end of it, I lost 40 pounds in a month. That was the thin guy at the beginning and I was really thin at the end, I was a skeletor. And it turned out I, it, that that, uh, that interferon ribavirin combination caused celiac disease, and I, which was which is a a, a autoimmune disease where you get where if you have wheat, it causes your body to attack itself. And you know I'm feeling sick and I'm thinking you know what I needed something like bread or something to settle my stomach. It was making it worse and worse and worse. It took two weeks after after I after I lost the forty pounds to diagnose it. Then, that, then I've had that since then, so that was 15 years ago. And then that destroyed my stomach, my, my intestines. And so, and so for, for 15 years, I've been nauseous. I just started getting over that when I got the hepatitis C. So it's been one continual thing after another, one, one leading to the other. Let me ask you this, Paul, uh, and you're at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Resinello. We're talking with Dr. Paul Shalou, and we're discussing suffering. His new book is about suffering, why, why All People Suffer, How a Loving God Uses Suffering to Perfect Us. Suffering, Paul, obviously is something that's, um, it's a mystery of life. You know, it's like you said, the, the doctor saying to you, people ask all the time, why do, why is there suffering at all? Not, you know, <clears throat> let alone why do good people suffer? And a lot of thinkers have tried to tackle this question. It's been a stumbling block for many people and causes a lot of people to lose their faith. Obviously, you're, you've been undergoing this suffering from, from very early on in life, and yet you're a, you're a faithful Catholic. Um, what would you say to people? I mean, what would be your initial response to people um, about this, this mystery of suffering that we're, we're, we're called to endure, we're called to bear? What would you say? Well, it's not exactly you called to bear, but let, let's, let's start from just the mystery. So the mystery of suffering, 2,500 years ago almost, Epicurus had this this dilemma he decided he, he defined he said if god it was powerful he would not allow suffering he, and and, it, and if, if you and if he did allow if he was powerful enough to stop it and he didn't stop it he was not good so since there's suffering and god would either be all good would either not be good or not be powerful or not exist so he chose not exist it's his way and a lot of people follow that but this is 40 years ago um there was a book called when, when bad things happen to good people, you may have heard of it. It was sold four million copies, and, mm -hmm. and uh, the uh, Rabbi Harold Kushner, who, who wrote the book, had the same dilemma. His problem was his son had a had a congenital had a, had a uh, genetic defect that caused him to die at fourteen from from rapid aging, called progeria, and he he tried to resolve the problem as, as well. And his solution was. That God, so he had a choice. God was not powerful. God was not good, or God was not existing. 
to, to resolve his problem. And <laughs> he came back with, with God is not powerful because he couldn't say God was not good and he couldn't say that God did not exist. So he felt that God was not powerful enough to solve it. Well, that's not right either because, you know, God is all powerful. If God can make the universe, he can, he can solve, solve the problem like this, his, his healing. And of course, Jesus healed everybody. So, so we know that, that they can heal. So that wasn't the right solution either. So when you get to it, the problem is your assumptions on the, on the, on the nature of God are the substitution of evil. And the problem that they had was they thought that, that suffering and evil were the same thing. They're not. Suffering is not evil. Suffering is the, is the is an evil detector. It tells you when you are suffering, when, 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 when evil's there. It's your ability to sense evil. So for instance, when you're hungry, it's not the hunger that's causing you a problem. The problem is that you don't have food. And hunger is telling you that you don't have food. So it's the, it's the indicator of that. It's your ability to sense it. So for instance, uh, if, you're, if, you're, if you need companionship, you feel lonely. So loneliness is not what the problem is. The problem is you need companionship. So it's identifying something you need. If you have pain, if you break your leg, that's bad, right? It's the pain that tells you that it happened, and it's the pain that motivates you to get off, keep off of it until it heals. So suffering is, is your ability to sense evil. It's an evil detector, not evil itself. And so the problem that, that, that Epicurus and Kushner had was that they didn't realize that God's that what was God's value was not the secular things that they valued, like comfort and peace and those things. It was that they want, he want, God wants us to, to, to return to him. It's, it, suffering is his answer to original sin. It is, it is our, our ability to sense when we are, are falling from the path and, and, and its motivation to go to the path. Does that explain it? I, I would agree with that 100%. I want to just touch on something you mentioned, particularly when you first went to the doctor who encouraged you to discuss suffering, and then you mentioned this rabbi, both of which are probably, I mean, I don't know the rabbi's background, but obviously the medical doctor, highly educated people, intelligent people. And this is what I want to point out. Without Christ, because obviously the rabbi, um, they acknowledge Jesus as a prophet, but he is not God. I don't know the doctor's background, but secular people or people who don't have Christ in their life, suffering has no meaning. It has, you can't grasp it, death and suffering. I've seen this throughout my whole life. Christ gives meaning to both because they're both important and they're both realities. Talk a little bit about that because I think that that is something that the world misses that Catholics grasp. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly right because when, they, when, they, when the rabbi goes through it, he doesn't, he's not sure about life after death and he doesn't know what people will look like when they, when, they, when they resurrect because he doesn't have the experience of Christ who went through both of those things, suffering and, and resurrection, like, like we will. So he didn't have the example to, to, to set the set the pace for him. So because he did not recognize those things, he he was forced to think that God was not powerful. And one of the things that tells you when, when a theology is true is when all the pieces triangulate, right? Just like everything else is true. If this is true and this is true, then this must be true. If, 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 if the same pieces all don't fall together, then what you're talking about is not true. And so that's why that's why we took great great pain to make sure that all these existential questions work together in, in developing this theology because it has to include things like redemption and life after death and that God is good 
solutions don't have those things. So, so Catholics can understand that. And this suffering discussion that we're having will apply to everybody because truth is truth, but it'll be harder to grasp for those that don't have the, the background. Also, I, I just want to follow up on that, and I'll hand it over to Joe. I just want to comment that in my in my travels, I've confronted that sometimes. Uh, usually, having to defend myself against vicious attacks from atheists. I've worked in this in New York City for a long time, Paul. And bottom line is, you, you don't meet too many faithful Catholics. That's just one of those things. But I remember somebody saying, "Well, why is your good? Why would a good God? Why does that? Why does that person suffer? Or that person suffer?" My response as a Catholic has always been the same: is I don't know. I just know that he did too. So if you want to blast somebody else, if you like somebody of a different religion who believes in a different kind of God, that's one thing. But if you're talking to a Catholic and you're talking, talking about suffering, that's always my response. I don't know why God allows suffering, but I know that he suffered with us. That's if you're going to, if you're going to criticize Catholic, the Catholic faith and Catholic teaching, well, that's bedrock Catholic teaching. Christ is compassionate. He suffered with us. So we can we can always address that again. I, again, I, I'm not God. I don't know why He allows it, but I know that much. That God's not our suffering and our pain are not foreign to God because He experienced it. Yes, that's true. But but Jesus gave us an example to follow. He gives us a way back to God. And so what He did was He heeded His suffering. So so suffering is not something to avoid. Something is a message from God and, and something to heed. It's telling you what you, what he wants from you. It's telling you what is when you suffer, what you're doing is experiencing what you shouldn't do, and and it points you to something else. And that's what that's why people suffer is because they're they're not focused on on they, they lack some good. Yes. And it's and, and by the way, it's not always suffering is not always for their benefit. Sometimes suffering is for the benefit of somebody else. So like a young child may be suffering for the benefit of their parents. Mm-hmm. Mother Teresa would say that suffering is a kiss from Christ from the cross. I've learned this in my own life. Um, You know, say, for instance, you pray for patience. Well, God may put you in traffic, you know, and you sit there in traffic and you're aggravated. But you learn patience through the suffering. I look at it. I've learned this through my married life. I have four children under seven. Um. You know, I'm married. My house is insane in plain English. My wife is pregnant with our fifth child, um, and my mother just moved in with us. So, you know, you talk about like patience, oh, yeah, a little chaotic. Better <laughs> done that all that stuff too. Okay, so my point is, God, it's like an onion. He knows our hearts, and He wants us to be pure. And it's those things that, as we live through them, we learn things. The key is to accept it. When I pray the rosary, Paul, I think of this when Christ was scourged. It's it's uh, one of the virtues I, I focus on is purification. He did not open his mouth. Now, I don't do that clearly as Christ did. I complain and I sometimes, you know, will verbally express my discontent. However, I ask for the grace when I pray that to accept my sufferings as Jesus did when he was scourged to to basically bring me to Christ cuz I'm not ready you know as no one is like if we were we're not the blessed mother we're not perfect talk a little bit about that how God through these things sometimes we don't even know why like I said stuff happens but he's working on us and if we accept it he'll purify us well, what, what uh, St. Catherine of Siena says 
is that everything that God does is to bring us, bring somebody to, to heaven. Every, everything that happens. So we have to we have to recognize that sometimes things happen to us for other people to see and 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 to to benefit from and to and to uh, to to do something with. Now you shouldn't ignore it. You shouldn't just accept it. You should re resolve it. The suffering is 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 there to resolve. It's teaching you something. So it's not just acceptance. It's it's heeding it. And so and so heeding it. So so. But there's a there's four steps of suffering, and I and it's, I'll, I'll just jump into that right. And here. we were about to ask you about it, so jump right into it, Paul. Right. So so suffering has four stages, four four tasks of suffering. The first is is to teach uh, the virtues, and and it works with very simple feedback loops that everybody experiences. If you eat too much, you get sick. You don't eat so much the next time. You drink too much, you get sick. You don't you don't drink so much the next time. If you do something that hurts somebody else, they complain. You recognize it. You don't do it so as much. And all that is feed all those feedback loops are teaching you virtue. And that's what built all the great societies. And everybody experiences that, whether they believe in God or not, they experience that, and it's, and it's pure, pure teaching people. The second step is to is to bring God bring you to God, to reorient you to God, and so. One of those things is those steps that we were just talking about, where they're te teaching you self-love, and and what you what you if you if you keep learning these things, you get prudence, which is knowing what God wants. You may not recognize it from God, but you will eventually, and that brings you to, to reorientate yourself to God. The other way is the hard way. It's like Saint Paul; he had to get thrown off the horse and blinded in order to see the see the message, right? Sometimes you have to. Sometimes something severe happens to you, and the only answer is to God. Is God, and that's the other way that, that suffering reorients you to God. The third step is is uh, releasing God's love of, love of neighbor to you. So when you start seeing people suffer, and you've gone through these first two steps, you start recognizing and empathizing with them, and you start helping them. And and suffering it gives you the opportunity to love and to be loved. So that releases uh, the love of the neighbor. So now you've got love of God, love of yourself, and love of the neighbor. Mm -hmm. The final step is to love as Jesus did, which is to is to accept your 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 suffering if it's for the benefit of others. It's part of God's plan, and to rejoice in it. And that and that can happen in a lot of ways. It can be the person that that uh, is sick and recognizes that their sickness is giving an opportunity for others to help them, and, and, and not accepts that as. God's will, and you know the whole thing about offering offering your, your your suffering up to God. That's part of this. It's redemptive suffering. If you're being oppressed by somebody and you witness to that, and they and they and they they, they, they you know change their 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 way they're operating, that's redemptive suffering. Mm -hmm. So those things. That's the four steps that takes you from sin to salvation. When you start loving as Jesus did, you will you get grace like Jesus does, and and you will get glory like Jesus does. And you're at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello. We're way in the breach talking about suffering with Dr. Paul Shalou. We're discussing his new book, Why All People Suffer, How a Loving God Uses Suffering 
to perfect us. We have about five minutes before the break, so we got time for another question before then. Paul, you put forth an interesting statement um, in your book, and I want to explore it a little bit. You basically say, if suffering were to be abolished, would man find God here on earth? And I want to explore that a little bit because in my own life, I have, I've worked on Wall Street. I've worked with people who make a lot of money. I've also done a lot of missionary work in third world countries, and I have seen people who have nothing nothing yet they're very happy and they're very close to god and then i've seen people who have corner offices that literally make millions of dollars a year that are miserable um it, in my view and again please uh you know opine on it it was the suffering that drew them closer to god so in the end they may be in a better place than the person in the corner office because the comforts of life actually took them from God. Talk a little bit about that. That man would not find suffer, <clears throat> would not find God if it wasn't for suffering. Well, suffering is pointing out where, where, you, where you need something. And those people in the corner office, they need things. They need God. They, 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 what, they what their problem is, is they, they're successful in the way the world sees success. They got money, they got, they got fame, they got those things. But that doesn't buy you heaven. And they always will be unsatisfied. Because they, they are not pursuing the right problem. Because what joy is, is joy is getting spiritual growth. And you don't get joy by getting, you get maybe pleasure, but you don't get joy, which is totally different. Pleasure is, is the experience of, of something right instantaneously. But joy is built up. Joy is not in, opposed to, to uh, suffering. Joy is, the, is the, the thing you get when you successfully negotiate your suffering. That's when you feel joy. And so those people that you just talked about that, that are in the, that you, you see in the missionaries, they, they've, they've tackled their suffering and they've met its challenges and they have joy. Something that the, that the people on Wall Street maybe don't have. So it's joy that you're looking for. Pleasure is very, very, very fragile. It's very short-lived. Only as long as you experience you're in contact with whatever makes you pleasure. I think that's suffering such lasts. I think that's such an important distinction to make, Paul Shalou, a very important distinction because people need to realize, the way I heard it from a, from a good homilist who, who um, uh, to allude to what you just said was, uh, pleasure is in the body, happiness is in the mind, but joy is in the heart. And, and I, I remember it, it's from a few years ago, and I remembered it and I said, you know what, I never thought of it that way. And it just makes all the sense in the world. What we think is going to give us happiness and joy is just short-term pleasure you know, and, 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 you know, not to get into the gory details, I didn't live a great life for 20 years of my life. I just did not. I wasn't practicing the faith, okay? It was opposite. I wasn't married. The single lifestyle, it led to nothing but misery. That was, you know, pleasure is one thing, but I certainly wasn't happy. And at the end of the day, I wasn't very joyful. Now, I wasn't very joyful until I ended up on my mother's couch at 37 years old without a job, okay, without a driver's license. And then... God, God picked me up. All right. So I could say from you know this conversation with Paul Shalou at the front line with Joe and Joe, yes, this is all true. We have to, we, you know, through our suffering, we will reach out to God or we ought to reach out to God. Go ahead, Joe. We now, have a couple minutes before the break. You know, in your book too, you talk a little bit, and we can pick this up on the other side. You talk about some saints. You also talk about stories in scripture. Um, 
could you could you share with us a few of those uh, whereby God uses evil and suffering um, for salvation? Obviously, one of the more famous ones is Job in the Old Testament. He was a very you know rich man, and then obviously God took everything from him. I love in the in that story when Job questions God. I, I'm going to give it like the Jersey spin. God basically says, "Who do you think you are? I made the ocean. I made the mountains. You're questioning me." That's if he was from Jersey. That's how he would have said right. it. <laughs> but talk a little bit about those there. stories. <laughs> well, he didn't say it much differently there. I use 140 different references to Scripture in my book. And and uh, Job I use three times for various purposes. And the message from Job is, the three messages that you get out of Job is, the first one is that they, that Job is not being punished because he was because he was uh, not successful. He's was he wasn't being punished it was because he was not faithful. He was the most faithful person on earth, we're told. And, his, and, his, and his, it wasn't his, his, his riches that made him, made him good, because they were taken away and he was still good, right? What he valued, what, what Joe valued was his, his, uh, his righteousness before God. And what he was complaining about was that he was feeling that God maybe wasn't thinking he was righteous. But in the, in the epilogue, God said, tells, tells his friends, Job is righteous, you are not. Let Job pray for you because I won't listen to him otherwise. And so they, they respected Job's virtue after that. And that gave Job, who was stuffing with the boils, so he had, had, a, he had a chronic problem, and he overcame it because he, because, and he maybe thought it was a benefit because people would see that he was still faithful even though he had the boil. And, and it never says that he got rid of the boils even though he gets all that other stuff back. So yeah. it, so it's a message to chronic people, chronic people with chronic diseases, that you can pursue, you can you can succeed even with them, and you'll be much more inspirational to other people if you do, because other people suffer too, and they and they can see that even with suffering you can do do what you need to do. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's take a break. Uh, you're at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo. As always with Joe Resinello, we are way in the breach. We're talking about suffering. Obviously, this is a very important topic. We're uh, having a conversation with Dr. Paul Shalou to discuss his new book, uh, published by Sophia Institute Press, by the way, Why All People Suffer, How a Loving God Uses Suffering to Perfect Us. Uh, so we just want to take a, a short break. Remember, uh, we are coming to you on the Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 on your AM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area. Make sure you follow Joe and I on social media, YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, wherever you find us. Help us out. The click here, share there. It all uh, It's all beneficial for us. So we have more of this conversation. It's an important one. Stick around. We'll talk to you on the other side of the break. Hey, you know about our Veritas shows, right? All five? It starts every Sunday at 5 p.m. with The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Their guests include the biggest names in the Catholic world, and Joe and Joe talk to them from the perspective of the everyday Catholic. Every Wednesday at noon, you can catch Let Me Be Frank. This is your chance to hear Bishop Frank Caggiano talk about spirituality, church news, and fun stories from his Brooklyn childhood and his life. Thursday nights at 8 o'clock. That's when you can hear It's Not That Late with Liv Harrison. It's a late night show on Catholic Radio, and Liv mixes faith with humor, games, and dynamic interviews. There's a double dose of shows on Friday. First, at noon, it's Restless. It's four millennials talking about, well, life as millennials in today's crazy world. Yes, it's possible to be young and Catholic. 
then at 12.30 on Fridays, you can hear the focus on Veritas, where Peter Sonsky puts the focus on good works and the good people doing those works. Those are the five Veritas shows, and there's more on the way. Stay up to date at VeritasCatholic.com or on the mobile app. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello, and we're way in the breach with Dr. Paul Shalou. We're discussing his new book published by Sophia Institute Press, Why All People Suffer, How a Loving God Uses Suffering to Perfect Us. Uh, Paul, real quick, uh, obviously the book is available at Sophia Institute Press, uh, which we would encourage people to go on there. Where else could uh, folks find the book? You can get it anywhere books are sold. You can find it at any Catholic bookstore. You can find it on Target, Target Walmart. Barnes and Noble, Amazon, all those places. All right. Well, it's a good book, and thank God it's all over the place. So with that, I'm going to hand it over to Joe. Paul, we were talking about saints and uh, scriptural references that you noted in your book, uh, whereby God uses evil or suffering in his plan of salvation. Um, One that came to mind, actually, as you were talking about, Job, was Paul. Paul said he had a thorn in his side, and God said, my grace is enough. He also said he prayed that it would go away, and God said, my grace is enough for you. It reminds me of, of my own trials and sufferings in my life where my best isn't good enough. I know it. I need God's grace. And when I fall short, it reminds me of it. Talk a little bit about some of those saints and some of the, maybe even the St. Paul reference um, that you know in your book, whereby people could identify and or relate to suffering and use it towards a greater good. Well, Paul is an interesting one because, of course, he he experienced, if you look in Corinthians, he talks about, getting shipwrecked and getting flogged and getting getting stoned and, and, and all those other things that were part of his process. And, and he, he, you know, he acknowledged and he accepted those because it was necessary for him to have credibility. And so, so you know, that's one of the things you recognize. And I already mentioned about St. Catherine of Siena, who said, who told people that, that uh, who were complaining about suffering, he said, just remember, everything's for the good. Just trust in God. And, you know those kind of things. Now, the story that that takes precedent in in my book is the prodigal son. The prodigal son is is, is a perfect reference for this this book because because God God represents his father. Father represents God. We are the prodigal son. We are the ones who are leaving God and and going out on our own and trying to make it make it make make good with it. And we're wasting and, and because we're not focused with on what God wants, we're wasting it. When we want out of everything, we're, we're like the prodigal son who, who, who starts suffering. He's hungry, and he recognizes that the only way he can get get better is go back to his father. And he, and, and and he does. And what does his father do? He doesn't get cast you know cast stones at him because he lost half his fortune. He takes him back because he wants him back. So that's what God wants for us. He wants us back. And and what 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 caused us to come back to God was the suffering. He was hungry. It's the same for us. When we suffer, that's what drives us back to God. You know, but what that says to me is the goal of life is to find God. 
You see, it Americanism, is. it doesn't look at things that way. I mean, we all, listen, we've all grown up here, uh, went to college, done things, achieved things, know people. That's not the goal of life. My wife and I teach uh, pre-Cana, and I always say in that, one of the first statements I make when I look at the young faces getting married, what is the goal of your marriage? I know what they're thinking, most of them. I want to retire and have a big house in Miami and be rich. That's not the goal. The goal of marriage is to work with each other to get to heaven. My job as the husband is to get my wife to heaven. Her job is to get me to heaven. That's the vocation. But Americanism and, and those thoughts, people don't think that way, sadly. And it's things that you just said. It's like life happens. The prodigal son, we go left, we go right. And God kind of just kind of directs us back into the road because we're weak and we're flawed and we make mistakes. Talk a little bit about that, the focus of life and how suffering is integral and important. So all the great saints in the church, you know, and the, 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 the ones that talk about things like that, like like Thomas Aquinas and those people say, say that the, the only thing that you can get for happiness is union with God. And the way to get union with God is to, to be like God so you can be, be with God. Being like God means following the Beatitudes, doing those kind of things. And and it means loving. It, 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 it's all definitions of different ways to love. And suffering pushes to, to, as we already talked about, the four goals of suffering or teaching you love of self, love of neighbor, love. And so so the point is that that um, when we when we go through life, you know, the goal is to learn to love so that we can learn to be with be with God. It's not to be to be peaceful, it's not to be pleasurable pleasure and all that god doesn't value that stuff and in fact he will trade that stuff off to get you to heaven if, if you're if you're being bogged down by making too much money he may take all your money away and, yeah. and yeah, I, I mean and, and and i'm glad joe brought it up you know obviously we live in america and and and, and there's nothing wrong with, with, with let's say having the house and and, and, and it, it, or or, or, I have a house. or material success and and people sometimes mistake Catholics when when we point this out, say, but it's it's along the lines of, and this is why we're having a conversation with you, Paul Shalou, about suffering. Stop focusing on that. Those are good. There's nothing inherently wrong with owning a nice house, a nice car, whatever the case might be. But where is your focus? Is what we're talking about, really? Joe says all the time on the show, Paul. He says all the time, American Catholicism in particular, and certainly American Christianity in general. Is is, is 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 an inch deep and a mile wide. I'm a person of faith. Okay, but 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 what happens when suffering comes along? If this this amorphous phrase, purpose, person of faith, I don't even know what that means in American, you know, popular culture. And not just liberals. I'm talking about, you know, on the conservative side too, the quote unquote religiously conservative side. Just believe in God and capitalism's great, and let's all call ourselves pro-life and we're all gonna go to heaven. That seems to be what American Christianity devolves to. And that's why conversations like we're having with you, Dr. Paul Shalou, are important. To say, no, you're, 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 you're focusing. You're focusing on the wrong thing. And I think that's a very big problem in our culture. We look at COVID. I'd love for you to comment on this. Not, not about COVID itself, but the desperation we saw in the last 12 to 14 months because people don't know how to deal with suffering. People don't know how to deal with it. Well, you know, the thing is you got to heed it, your suffering. So you, so it's pointing you to something. And so, so you have to, to do what it's, what it's 
to what it's telling you to do. And it's telling you you're missing something. So what are you missing? In a lot of cases, you're missing God. And that's and you only you only get happiness when you get to God. And and what is that? What is, why is that good? What is what is the beatific vision? Let me give you just a, a, a thought of what that beatific vision is. That see, that's seeing God, being with God. Well, God is all that's good and true. Now, if you, if you, if people are drawn to the internet because they are looking for 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 knowledge and those kind of things, they don't get all that's good and true, and they don't get it with the, with the level of sophistication that being with God does. God is like a supercharged internet. It's nothing but what is good and true, and everything. And so, when you're there, you'll be you will never want to leave because you have everything that's good and true there. And so that's the only way you're ever going to be satisfied is when you get to that. That's the greatest good. Yeah. So this, this idea of like the the uh, moral atheist is totally missing the point because being moral isn't the key. The key, the key is to being with God. That's the goal. And to be like God, you need to love like God. So you need to be able to, you need to be willing to sacrifice for other people so that other people can gain because you, it's for the, so sacrifice for the greater good. Well, that's a that's a naughty word, uh, Dr. Paul Shalou. A sacrifice. You must be watching the front line with Joe and Joe because that's what we bring up all the time. Sacrifice in American culture um, is a naughty word. I'm going to hand it over to Joe. I I've learned. I mean, I learned it after college. I'm 50. Uh, going to be 51 uh, next month. At 22, that my way doesn't work, and it was through suffering that led me. I was always Catholic. I'm Italian. You're born Catholic. You eat pasta on Sunday. You go to church. It's just sort of the way it is. But <laughs> but at the same time, I didn't I didn't make the faith my own till I got out of college, and I went to a Catholic uh, Jesuit college. Um, the thing is, what I found in my thoughts were the idea that 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 old analogy that you know I am the potter, you are the clay. You either could be marble, and God will hack at you with a hammer or a chisel to form you, or you could be clay and malleable, and God could make you into who He wants you to be. At the end of the day. One of the two things can happen. That doesn't mean good people don't suffer, but things happen in life where God is molding you if you allow him and changing you into the person he called you to be, which is perfect. We're all called to be perfect. And by the way, for our listeners out there, um, you know, if we don't perfect ourselves in, in, in the grace of God while we're here— there's always purgatory. God knows I'll be there. You know, talk a little bit about that uh, image of clay versus marble. Well, what, what you're saying is that that uh, when you suffer, you, you're being given a message that you need to heed. And if you don't heed it, you just push against it. You don't learn anything and you don't get benefit. And then you get, but God is persistent. So you get more suffering. Until you until you resolve it, and so that's the that's the marvel you're talking about is when you when you resist it. So so the, the deal is that you need to recognize that your suffering is being is for your good or the good of somebody else. And when it's for the good of somebody else, it's for your good too. If you if you if you do death to suffering, if you suffer joyously for the benefit of others, which is the, the greatest level of love, right? And so if you do that, then then. Uh, the whole thing is we all get messages from God to what we do, like what I'm doing right now. I'm just following what, what I'm being told. You know, I, I, I'm just saying yes. I'm, I'm not making any decisions. I mean, I was, I was told which college to go to because I, I, I applied to 10 and I got accepted to 1. 
So, you know, it made the choice for me. It made you, if you just, if you just follow, follow what God is pointing you to, you, you'll get to the right place. You got to have faith about that. I would agree. I mean, that's what the blessed mother did her. Yes. Yes. yes exactly right. I, that is what we're all called to do. And that, and why we don't do it is we don't trust in God's path. You know, like we trust in our own. We're so, especially people who, you know, have achieved things. Let's be honest. People who are intelligent, who have money, they're, they're a lot like less likely to say yes to God when God presents them with an idea uh, because they're, let's be honest, they're just confident in their own self. You know, God is a, right. is a is a word it's not like god is nothing more than a word um you know i i want to like share with you something personal and and i think you you could understand it because you you know you worked at ibm for 30 years i worked uh at morgan stanley and i can remember when the general counsel at morgan stanley uh made a statement that an executive lawyer told us all that uh, an executive lawyer had terminal cancer and the way he kind of phrased it was almost like this shouldn't happen to such a person. Like almost like smart, rich people don't get terminal cancer when they're 40. You know, so I I don't like to, I'm sorry, Joe, I I don't like to be judgmental, but I've seen that so many times in my life. So many times back in the day, in my bad old days, I worked on Wall Street. I just want to comment. That's a disgusting attitude for people to have. Well, why did why does this person suffer? Oh, as though because what? He's he's the executive counsel at Morgan Stanley. His suffering, he shouldn't have to have terminal cancer. But the guy on the street who's begging for money, uh, it's not a big deal if he has it. I just wanted to comment, Joe. I'm sorry that I hate that attitude. When, uh, but keep, but please continue. But but talk a little bit about that because I'm sure you've seen this when you're with IBM and I've seen it as well. Secular humanists, particularly people that live in big cities, they live their life like they're not going to die. I mean, my dad just died. He was 84. Um, you know, and I watched him die for two years. You know, like we're all going to die, you know, one way or another, but they don't focus on, you know, they're supposed to be the smartest people in the room. They don't strike me to be that smart. Talk about that. What's lacking that people, what's the Latin phrase about remember your death? Something, I can't believe I can't think of it. Something more. Memento, memento more. There you go. Remember memento. your death, you know, like, or you're, you know, talk about that a little let me, bit. Let me just remind people that we're at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Resinello, we're having a great conversation in the breach with Dr. Paul Shalou discussing his new book, Why All People Suffer, How a Loving God Uses Suffering to Perfect Us. Okay, so so first of all, let me talk about terminal can- getting a terminal cancer uh, diagnosis. That's actually a great benefit for that, that lawyer because he's now being confronted with his, his mortality. He would not have a situation, the opportunity to do that if he was hit by a bus, right? So he's given, he's been given a great a great benefit because he's been he's been told I you got six months to get your your act together with God and with everybody else. He's been given an opportunity to do that. That if he died, uh, you know, in some other way, he would not get. So God gave him a benefit. You may not recognize it. It may be very disturbing, but he gets he got a benefit. Being told that you're terminally ill is a benefit because you were giving warning that other people don't get. Now the the attitude about. You know, I, I, the prosperity—it's basically the prosperity gospel, right? God takes care takes care of the people who are, who are, are, are his favorites because he makes them prosperous. Absolutely not true. Because what, what the problem is is that 
is that people who don't suffer don't recognize what their needs are. And their, their needs are getting, by having a lot of money covers over a lot of needs because they can, they can buy things that they need to do, but, but they don't get, they don't recognize there's a missing God because it, because they, they and, and because they have a blind pursuit, they're not satisfied. They're never satisfied. If you have a billion dollars and you're not satisfied, what's the problem? Well, somebody else got two. If they don't recognize that somebody else has two, somebody else is saying the same thing, but somebody has four. Mm-hmm. You know, it just you just can't be satisfied because you're not pursuing the right problem. And you don't get joy because you're not pursuing joy. You're pursuing pleasure. And joy is the only thing that's, less, that's lasting because it's spiritual. In the end, you only get fully, fully joyful in, in heaven. Yeah. Again, it, it goes to what's your goal. I mean, again, I say this all the time to people. My goal is to retire in heaven. I will work until I die. My goal is to retire in heaven. What's that for? What's that reference in the Old Testament? In other words, the banquet feast where you get choice meats and the best red wine. That's me. I want to sit at that table. Okay. I want the. I, want, I forget. I forgot which book it is. But I want. I want God's wine. I want that steak in heaven. All right. No, that's the banquet you want to sit at. You know. I, we, we say all the time, Dr. Paul Shulu, on the show, in other words, when we talk about Christ, okay, especially as Catholics, because people in America have this misperception of Catholics and conflate us in the way we talk with Puritanism. We're not Puritans, okay? We just place our emphasis on God. In other words, we, we as Christ ate and drank with his friends, we eat and drink with our friends. In other words, but we keep everything in perspective. All things, including suffering, are a gift, yeah, I mean, clearly, uh, when, when you know, in this life, I guess it's just perspective. And it's also a lot of what you're talking about, uh, Paul, is just accepting, accepting. You know, Christ, what did he say when, when you know, take this cup from me, but thy will be done. You know, I think of that in my own life a lot. You know, God knows more than me, a lot more than me. So I have to accept things, accepting reality. Talk a little bit about that, because clearly, like, your story, I mean, you, you know, you you elaborated on it uh, on the other segment. I mean, you accepted a lot. I mean, you're also a very successful person. You wore many hats in this life. Talk about how that acceptance of certain things that didn't go, you know, in you know your way helped you. Well, it's, it's interesting because because the fact that I wasn't as successful as I thought I should have been at IBM was one of the motivations that allowed me to leave and to do this. So sometimes it's point. Sometimes that lack of success points you to where you need to be. You know, there's that that benefit. Mm-hmm. And what else did you want to ask me? No, but basically, like the idea of just acceptance in general. You know, because I think there's always pushback. I mean, we're human. It's the flesh. No one, you know, no one wants to well, suffer. If you want to suffer, you know, you're a masochist. But when it comes, there's almost that like. God's will be done. You know, like you just accept, you accept it as opposed to pushing back against it. And also, Paul, along those lines, comment also about how Catholics, particular in, in, let's say, pious devotions and things like that, things we could do practically as a means by which we could develop a, a an acceptance of, of that, that heating, as you called it, that heating of suffering. Obviously, we need some grace. Talk about some practical things that those who are suffering can also do daily. Well, let's, let's, let's be clear about a couple things. The, there, there's some things you need to accept, and there's some things you need to resolve. Because not every, not all suffering is, is not about accepting everything that happens to you. Like if somebody, so if somebody's abusing you, you should not just accept it. 
you should let them see that they're abusing you and let them let their conscience act on that and, and that's being a messenger from god is letting people see that what you're what you're experiencing and explaining what you're experiencing it's not it's not about just blind acceptance now there are certain situations that you recognize that that this, this suffering is coming from god directly and it's part of his plan and you should and you should just that, that you need to accept as part of his plan and to and to and to and to uh, to be, be joyful about it because he because you're being used for, for a purpose that's how i feel about what, what i'm going through is that i'm being used for a purpose and and uh that but at the same time you need to to look at what's what's causing your suffering and 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 address it because if you're suffering because you're causing somebody else problems you need to address that you need to fix that and and if you're suffering because somebody else is giving you giving you a hard time you need to let them know that so that's the only way they're going to be saved and it's always the victim that saves the, the oppressor just think about that it's the victim that saves the oppressor the oppressor is not going to ever solve that problem it's the victim because the victim explains it shows them what they're doing shows them for who they are and if they if they see that and they, and they and they act on it then, then they, they can be saved and because and so the victim and the oppressor are always linked together on on suffering isn't that the example of the martyrs, the early martyrs? Absolutely. In other words, how, how you know, it's funny how God works when you think about just historically for a second, when you look at the early, early church, it was that acceptance of suffering, okay? They didn't, like Joe said, nobody wants to die in the arena, okay? But the acceptance of suffering, you would think that religion's going to go away if you're, a, if you're a Roman sometime within 20 years after the death of Christ. But that's exactly what made Christianity spread was the example of the acceptance of the sufferings of the of the early martyrs interesting you know god works in mysterious ways that that i always found interesting is that you know you don't you don't you don't gain um you you don't you don't get through to others with the message we need to get through to them by fighting back with fists you you do it you do it like the martyrs did i thought i was always right that's why this that's why the civil rights movement worked with, with the martyrs of king because and it's why the colonialism got defeated by by Mahatma Gandhi too, because because they they were willing to suffer for the benefit of the other, and they were willing to show their suffering. Martin Luther King said said that uh, that uh, you know we, we will we will save you by our suffering. We will out, you can we will be we will be willing to suffer more than you're willing to, to harm us, and we will win, and we will win with you, and bring you over to our side. And that's, and that's and he, and he, that was, you know, he learned that from Gandhi, and Gandhi learned it from Jesus. Even though he wasn't a Christian, he he, he recognized that, that love your enemy. That's how, that's what that means. And so it all comes together in, into this whole picture. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the fourth. That's the fourth level of suffering. That's the, the, the that's suffering for the benefit of another. I think that's going to be also a valuable example. And we have a few minutes left. I know Joe at least has another question, but I think it's a valuable example too. Um, cause uh, you reminded me and when you were talking about Dr. King, um, about some of the prayer warriors that go down to Planned Parenthood, uh, that we've experienced in lower Manhattan a couple weeks ago, if you want to see an example of dealing with a lot of mocking and spitting, there was a group there that confronted them down in Brooklyn. These people, these Catholics were simply praying. I haven't been down there in a few months, but but I've gone down there to pray with them, pray the rosary in front of an abortion clinic. I promise you, Dr. Paul Shalou, that example 
of what you just described <laughs> gets through to people. That's one of the biggest examples. As the pain and suffering of those in the civil rights movement led finally to some things being done, some positive things being done uh, about the treatment of African Americans, I think the same is going to hold true at abortion. In other words, you bear the pain and suffering, you pray, you witness, you bear the mocking, the spitting, the cursing. That will get through to people. People look for political solutions to abortion. We look for the spiritual ones. But let me leave it there because we have probably about five minutes left. I know Joe has at least another question for you. You know, in your book talks a little bit about responding joyfully in the face, you know, of, of you know, suffering, injury, illness, death. I mean, to a secular person who may be flipping, you know, through the dials, they might be like, these people are crazy. How could you possibly do that? Well, are we crazy? Yes, no. uh, kind of. <laughs> but, but in terms of grace, there's the need for grace and how grace is real. I've seen this in any... Catholic, practicing Catholic, has seen grace, where you fall short and God gives you grace. Um, I remember when my aunt died, she was a very, if you ask me, uh, exceptional woman. And I remember her, I saw her 12 hours before she died. And she said to me, she wished me luck. And she said, in life, and she said, I can't wait for the joy. And when I went back in the morning, she had passed in the night and the nurses I don't even know them. They said, your aunt is a very special person. She accepted her death. She had uh, lung cancer. She didn't smoke. Talk about how God gives you grace in those moments because he doesn't abandon us to this life. He gives us the sacraments. He gives us his mother to give us grace to handle such things. And not only can we handle them, we can excel and thrive in those situations. Talk about that need for grace. Well, you know, you can't do any of this stuff without grace, because because grace is God reaching out to you, and and, and as I said, my, my dissertation was about how grace comes from suffering. John Paul II made made it made it very clear that there was grace and suffering, because because what what God's doing is he's reaching out to you and he's and he's bringing you toward him. He's showing you that love, and if you recognize that, then you can then you will have joy. You will recognize that God is 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 is, is reaching out to you. And, and if he didn't care for you, he wouldn't, he wouldn't do that. And so somebody who suffers that doesn't recognize that there's an afterlife and that, that God is calling to him cannot have joy. He, will, he just has no spiritual growth. But if you get experience in that spiritual growth, you can have joy in recognizing this is what God's doing for me. He's, he's, he's put me in a position where, where, where I'm helping somebody else and I'm getting spiritual benefit of that. And you can, you can have that joy. It's all about the recognition. You know the attitude of what you of what what's happening to you. You know if you recognize that that, that it's God reaching out to you for, for from a good perspective, that's a lot different than if than if you think He's damning you. And and that's the difference. Just understanding that difference, and that's one of the reasons I wrote this book was to make that point clear. God is reaching out to you. He's not he's not he's not destroying you with suffering. He's reaching out to you, and he's he's showing you what you shouldn't do. And, and motivating you not to do it. You know, you mentioned John Paul, and I, in my in my view, he was the most significant figure of the 20th century, gifted beyond comprehension. But God took everything from him, basically. And I meditated on that, watching him die. And he, it's almost like God, we hang on to things, even when we don't realize it realize it like our righteousness whatever that could be our wealth or, or whatever our intelligence the way we could communicate and god in life slowly just opens our hands 
opens our fingers and he basically takes everything from us to guide us to one realization that all you need is me. All you need is me. And that's when you get joy, when you understand that. Right? That's that's when you get when you understand that that's when you have joy. John Paul II said in, in Subvich Dolores, which is his, his, his one paper on suffering, was that you get joy when you understand why suffering exists is is existing is existing. Right? If you don't you will never get joy unless you understand that. And that's what I'm offering this in this book is to understand why people suffer. And, and I get explicit in the second section. I explain why people suffer from pandemics and and childhood disabilities and all those things. And the, the point is that when you understand why it happens and who benefits from it, then you can have joy. You see the spiritual growth. You see the goal, which you don't see if you don't have if you don't understand these things. And Dr. Paul Shalou, we're going to have to unfortunately leave it there one more time, Dr. Shalou, the title of the book and where people could buy it. So the title of the book is Why All People Suffer, and they can buy it anywhere books are sold. You can buy it from Sophia Press, or you can buy it from any other any other bookstore. It's out there worldwide. Excellent. And we want to thank you very much, Dr. Paul Shalou, for coming on the show, talking about a very important topic. All right. So we really, really appreciate it. And we want to thank you all, dear brothers and sisters, for joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Network, bringing the truth, the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York metropolitan area at 1350 on your AM dial. For all Veritas content, please be sure to download our Veritas Catholic Network mobile app. And also please follow Joe and I on Facebook and YouTube until they shut us down, of course. Like, subscribe, share, hit the little bell, do all that fun stuff. And remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon. 